Hello, I'm Leslie-Ann Knight and welcome to Just Talking Musicals, the podcast and YouTube show where we discuss all things from Broadway and beyond. Remember, you can follow us on Instagram, Twitter or Facebook to join the conversation. Just Talking Musicals, Musicals, with you. Hello, I'm Leslie-Ann Knight and welcome to Just Talking Musicals. In the last episode, we looked at how Richard Rogers and Oscar Hammerstein's first ever musical came together amidst the gloom of World War II. In 1941, theatre critic Brooks Atkinson at the New York Times described it as the worst season in 20 years, and Variety magazine announced that of 66 new shows that season, only six were hits. The war quite simply and understandably affected everyone's mood. It discouraged audiences, rattled producers, and not even the drama critics circle or the Pulitzer committees even bothered to make any awards. It was around this time that lyricist and librettist Oscar Hammerstein II had been thinking about a play the Theatre Guild had produced in 1931 called Green Grow the Lilacs by poet, screenwriter and playwright Lynn Riggs. It was set around the turn of the last century in the land of his childhood, in the southwest, better known as Old Indian Territory, and it drew on his childhood memories of growing up in the territory before it was split into states. He said of his play, The intent has been solely to recapture in a kind of nostalgic glow the great range of mood which characterised the old folk songs and ballads I used to hear in my Oklahoma childhood. And the play ran on Broadway for just 64 performances. Hammerstein had experienced great success with his show, Showboat, with composer Jerome Kern in 1927, but success had fairly eluded him since then, and now at the age of 46, people were beginning to say he'd maybe had his time in the limelight. It was also around this time that the 18-year collaboration between composer Richard Rogers and his wonderfully gifted writing partner, Lawrence Hart, was drifting to an end. Rogers had read Riggs' play and thought it had some potential, Hammerstein thought it had potential too and asked Jerome Kern if he was interested in turning the play into a show. Kern didn't think it would work and Richard Rogers asked Larry and his heart was definitely not in it. And apparently, without knowing that Hammerstein was looking for someone to work on the play as well, Rogers asked Hammerstein the very same question as they both asked their respective writing partners and the rest, as they say, is history. So, what's the story about... Rogers and Hammerstein kept pretty much to the play's original storyline for their show, with Hammerstein adding a charming romantic comedy subplot to their own script. The play is set in old Indian territory at the turn of the last century, shortly before the people of the Indian and Oklahoma territories voted in favour of becoming a state. Handsome local ranch hand Curly McLean and the dark and brooding hired hand Judd Fry, who works on Ella Murphy's land, are rivals for the affection of Ella's niece Laurie Williams. Curly is handsome and wholesome, a good man through and through, while Judd Fry most definitely has issues. There's Ado Annie Carnes and her beau, Will Parker, and her other beau, Ali Hakim, the travelling peddler who doesn't want to be anyone's beau but can't resist a pretty face. Everyone is looking forward to the upcoming box social dance where the ladies take a picnic hamper and the gentlemen bid in an auction for best picnic basket and the company of the lady who made it for the evening. Even though she's smitten for the handsome cowhand, in a bid to show Curly she's strong and independent, Laurie agrees to be Judd's date for the evening, but she very soon regrets her choice and is luckily saved by Curly when he bids all he owns for Laurie's picnic hamper. 
Curly and Laurie marry, and all is well on their wedding day, until Jad Fry turns up for a fight with his rival and is accidentally killed by his own knife in the ensuing scuffle. Curly is tried for his murder but is quickly acquitted when all the townsfolk talk the judge round to seeing reason and the handsome cowhand and his beautiful wife live happily ever after. Both Rogers and Hamstein tended to prefer to work apart rather than sitting together in a room bashing out ideas. Rogers was more used to coming up with the melodies and passing them on to his former writer Lawrence Hart, but with this new partnership, Hammerstein remarked that all he had to do most times was just hand Rogers the lyric and get out of the way. But they weren't always apart, and they would meet up at each other's homes and agree on the shape of this new work, which had a working title of Away We Go. It seems it was never their intention to create anything different. They just wanted to be honest and true to Rick's play. But to be true to the play meant it would be difficult to start in the tried and tested traditional style of musicals with a big chorus number right at the beginning to give the audience a taste of what was to come. After all, why not save the big number and open in a way that would reflect the peace and harmony of the opening of the story, just as Riggs had written it? It is a radiant summer morning several years ago, the kind of morning which, enveloping the shapes of earth, men, cattle in the meadow, blades of the young corn, streams, makes them seem to exist now for the first time. Their images giving off a visible golden emanation that is partly true and partly a trick of imagination, focusing to keep alive a loveliness that might pass away. Hammerstein wanted to somehow keep that opening description and put it into an opening song that the cowhand Curly could sing and, with the play in one hand and inspiration in the other, fed by the beautiful views from his porch on his own farm in Doylestown, Pennsylvania, the poetry of one of the finest songs in musical theatre came into being in the form of the number Oh, What a Beautiful Morning, sung by Curly MacLean on a vast open stage with just Aunt Ella for company. Both Hamstein and Rogers agreed that it was vital to get the mood of the opening song right, vital to the scene, whether it followed tradition or not. Hammerstein later recalled the day he sat down and found the words. I'm generally fussy and slow with the words of a song, but that one came to me in a hurry almost, as if I'd known it beforehand. And I wrote it inside of an hour at my farm in Dorstown, looking at the corn in the fields. Hammerstein's biographer, Hugh Fordin, writes that when Oscar came to composing the words for the second verse, he had recalled a hot summer's day sitting on the porch in Doylestown the year before. The air was still and hot, and he watched the cows on the hillside about half a mile away, just standing like statues. In fact, he'd started a verse in his head that day that came to mind as he sat on the porch. The breeze steps aside to let the day pass. The cows on the hill are as still as the grass. And when he was done, he took it over to Richard Rogers' house for the verdict, who recalled in his autobiography, I was a little sick with joy because it was so lovely and so right. When you're given words like that, you get something to say musically. You really have to be made of cement not to spark to that. And Rogers, apparently, wrote the music in ten minutes. That afternoon, this bright new partnership set to work on the structure of their musical and, fired up by the excitement of the first song, they bravely put the rule book to one side and decided that so long as the main thread of the story was bright and alive, why couldn't it have a murder in it? Did it matter that no one had done this before? Right, that's it for this episode. 
Coming up, we'll be looking at how Richard Rogers and Oscar Hammerstein's new working relationship came together and other brave ideas they had for their story about folk who belong to the land. I'm Leslie Ann Knight. You can find earlier episodes and actually see me talking on our Just Talking Musicals YouTube channel. And we'd love it if you subscribe and follow along with the conversation on social media as well. Just Talking Musicals, musicals with you.